Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Everybody to the season 14 year end review of Supernatural. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Ryan Denton. Hello. And Michael Flores. Hey. It has been a season of ups and downs, highs and lows, heartache and triumph. And that's not, that's just us in this show. That's not the characters alone. That's my life. <laughs> the story of my life. Yeah. Here we are, the last. Truthfully, the last season finale review we will ever discuss. That's sad. For Supernatural. Dude, that is that is sad. I honestly didn't think this day would ever come. You realize we have another season, right? Hey. Series and show ending 15 years, how you've done it. Does it all come together? Ryan, you don't count. You binge watched, okay? You caught up after oh, five years. Oh, all right. Well, hold on. I'll just leave. Okay. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> see you later. Dork. It's it's something else for like the last year that we have speculation of what'll come next. This is the last time that we'll be having a, a true helatus before we can have our thirst quenched come October. Oh, thirst oh. quenched with come? Oh, oh yes. What? Yes, that is exactly what I said. It's exactly it is what you said, dude. What's wrong with you, dude? It's it's well, I have mixed feelings. That's what it is. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. It's it's sad, it's exciting, it's all kinds of things. And it's been no secret that we've also had mixed feelings about Andrew Dabb as a showrunner. <laughs> you know, we we here on Supernatural the Crossroads have never had problems with the showrunner style quite like we've had with Andrew Dabbs. And it's a bit strange because we've said it numerous times on the show, and especially this season, this group of writers that they have is probably one of the strongest groups as a whole that we've had in a very long time. However, when it comes to the myth arc, the overall story, as a critic, it is really hard to honestly justify some of Dab's decisions. And this isn't our circle jerky fan want, you know, what we'd like to see because it wouldn't that be cool if we wrote our own fan fiction. We're talking solely about from a critical, how does narrative cause and effect follow a logical sense and why are we here and foreshadowing used properly and all the tools of the writing room not all of it is there you know dab has continued to show 
us as an audience that he has these great ideas, but ideas unfinished. These the execution of them is is not there. It's not fully planned. It's it's just wouldn't it be cool if and then someone says, Well, yeah, but why? His answer would be, I didn't get that far. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that. I just I would just say he has big ideas. He has great ideas, really good concepts. They're they're high concepts. But then they kind of they just don't work sometimes because he doesn't fully flesh them out. It's just it, it well, like, it's just an idea at times. And that's why I said you have the what but not the why. What if we had the princes of hell like Yellow Eyes show up, <gasps> including Asmodeus? And what if he brought back Gabriel? Okay, why? Oh, um, shit. And that's where season 13 went. Now, speaking of season 14 this year, this is without a doubt been Dab's best work since taking over as a showrunner. Easily. There, there's no contest. No contest. Yeah. He has delivered a strong opening half. He was building upon themes and foundations set from previous episodes. Numerous times we used the building blocks example for what we felt was being worked on for the first half of the season. He set up a nice, he had a nice spread. Oh, you know, the, the food so looked did Pamela great. Lee back in the day. Oh, she did. And yeah, she spread really mm-hmm. good back then. And Carmen Electra as well. And, and if any of you guys are old enough to remember <laughs> Daisy Fuentes from MTV. Oh, man, I would have spread her. Oh, see. Happened. I make a food joke because it's Dab. You guys had to make it a sexual thing. What? Oh, You Jesus. realize that we've been doing this show for a long time now, and like that's typical. You can always be... <laughs> You can always be disappointed in somebody, but you shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, right. I don't know why you'd be surprised with us <laughs> making a sexual joke. But now that season 14 That is, wasn't a sexual joke that I did. I was no. talking about the, the, her home no, goods I was and, talking and about Martha Stewart the, life. I was talking about the artistic endeavors that many of these young ladies have, and they want to be photographed while doing oh. said art spreads. <laughs> Okay. You can stand by that one in a court. You sickos made it something perverse. <laughs> oh, I was appreciating the right, art. Right, the I art. I was appreciating the art. Oh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now that season 14 is complete, we can now say that the myth arc of the season really was Jack. It, it didn't feel like that at first. But we all kind of had an inkling. We, we, we It we was figured. there. It just was. It's weird because the myth arc was there for Jack throughout the whole season, but it's not ever in the limelight until the second half yeah. of the season. Well, we kept trying to figure it out. I guess you're right. Yeah, we kind of we kind of had some clues and I, or I should say ideas like, yeah, OK, Jack could be it. Or is it? Is it this very is it, obvious is it thing Dean's, happening in our face? Well, yeah. Or is it Dean's possession? What is it? Is it about Sam's role as a leader? And you're going to parallel that with with Dean's possession, how he's kind of MIA and everything is going to fall on Sam's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then finally, by the end, it became fairly clear that Jack was, in fact, the myth arc of the season. Right. And there is evidence for this. I mean, if we look at the opening segment of the season, we have the issue of losing his grace and needing it in order to live. The idea that this unstoppable, all-powerful, reality-hopping, super-powered angelic juggernaut can just keel over and die. That clearly is what is happening. How is he going to learn how to be a hunter without magical powers? Can he do that? Is this life for him? Where is his role going to be? He feels useless. And then later we have 
it's actually physically destroying his body. In the middle half of the season, we have Jack is saved and brought back from the dead by this Enochian magic, but at a great cost. And that it might, if un, you, in, unwisely used, burn through his very soul, leaving him, God knows what, a shell of a human, a monster. We've seen multiple cases of people without souls, and they go very, very different ends of the spectrum. Although some similar attributes. And seeing that progress really was the main theme of most of this season from where he first came back and using it here and there sparingly to save people. And then by the mid to late part of the season, that ramification comes to the forefront with the final quarter that Jack through his using his powers has lost his soul Mm -hmm. or at least enough 90% of it, 99 enough of it to be a problem. Yeah. And the narrative dilemma of what would Jack do without a soul? How dangerous is he or could become? And when we look at that's the problem we it's the only thing from beginning to end throughout season 14 that is a clear progressing issue. Clear path. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's it's a little odd because it felt like it wasn't ever quite in the limelight or it would be for like an episode or a sequence. It felt like story B. You know what I mean? It was story B. Truthfully, it was. For most of the the first half, at least with story A, was Michael. Yeah. It was all Apocalypse Michael and his grand plan. And Jack was story B. So it feels a little bit odd that that's... They did a little flip-flop halfway through. Yeah. 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 A little handoff after the mid, the... About quarter? Quarter with a quarter of the season left? Yeah. So a CW show did the old switcheroo on a a bad guy. That's weird. (laughs) That's weird. That's, That's uncommon for CW. So stupid. So while we do have a main myth arc with Jack, that was segment B, that really does put into the limelight that Dab's biggest issue, again, came from after the mid-season finale. There's the first half leads is, is all Michael. It's all Apocalypse Michael, his grand plan, tricking Dean and Sam into thinking they were safe. He's got monsters. He gets captured, but he's not that afraid of them. And then after that mid-season point, there's a bit of meandering there's a bit of stuttering and drunkenly wandering through the narrative it feels yeah, some p- parking retreads. lot pimping parking lot pimping parking it's lot three, pimpin'. three in the morning you're drunk and you're trying to hit on chicks like that's you're you're saying, you're hey, just, do you want to go to jack in the box for some tacos yeah and you're just walking around Yo, girl. and you're just kind of lost you're like hey dad. you don't even care what she looks like no, you, can dr- you have to be drunk dab hey dad what's that gonna get you want to maybe get some tacos and then I'll put them on your body and eat them off you? He's just talking to the drive through <laughs> intercom. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> you guys like have tacos here, right? Not, God damn it. There's another one. There's another drunk guy. I um, like taquitos. I like the real tight ones. What? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and there was a little bit of that. There was some retreads from previous seasons yeah. and some backpedaling on previously what we thought were kind of finished concepts. And that's kind of become Dab's MO. Yeah. It's strong first half. And then a, a, a middle section, lurching that middle section. We kind of lose sight of everything. And then he brings it all together in one or three at most yeah. episodes. Yeah. You know, and it, it, the thing is, it really does feel like with that second half that he's trying to feel time, fill time. Like it's, we had episodes 1 through 10, 11 through 14 until 14 are kind of just there. 15, 16 are just there. 
And then at the end of the segment is when we have the myth arc pick up again. Yeah. 13 was a very bad example of it, but it still is prevalent here. Mm-hmm. And he also has, you know, a bit of a, a villain problem, which we detailed thoroughly and went through a whole long Patreon bonus discussion. So if you guys are interested in that, because oh, nice it is a, what's a very long conversation, <laughs> uh, you guys can get access to that through Patreon. If you pledge $5 or more, you will get that, plus all kinds of 10 minutes at the crossroads, cinematography of Supernatural and other various episodes that we do. So head on over to Patreon if you're interested in that discussion. Yeah, we dedicated an entire six, what hour discussion time as you and I did yeah. on on Dab's villain problem, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a tr- we don't ever troll. We just break things down from a critical st- side of things, and we broke down the fact that he has a villain problem. And I, I would challenge anyone to say he doesn't. I, it's very hard to say that he understands villains. That there hasn't right. been a real villain since he has taken over as showrunner. And I'm not saying a show needs to have a villain, but when you have a show that's been set one way for 11 some years to, tr- to try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You know, that's like trying to reinvent the real wheel mid race. Yeah. That's the only issue. And because of he's trying to change the format of a show that's been going the same way for 11 years, it uh, threw off. It threw things off. And it might not it might not be all his fault, man. You never know. I'm not saying it's a, I'm not necessarily saying it's a negative. I'm just saying that it threw a lot of the fans off. And I think yeah. because most people in that room are used to writing a certain style that it kind of just threw off the entire chemistry of the show. It feels different. It feels very different. And I'm okay with different. I'm okay with showrunners taking risks. I feel like Gamble took huge risks. Oh yeah. I feel like Carver took huge risks. And they paid off for the most part. Uh, Dab's risks are good at times, but he doesn't, he sometimes doesn't go the distance. Now, the Chuck situation, I feel, was a huge effing risk. And I, monumental. And I applaud him for doing it because I feel as of right now, he pulled it off. And that finale did fix a bit of those villain issues for next season. It really did, because if he keeps things as it looks, (laughs) you know, based on big if based on how the finale ended, then we have our villain and we can have other things introduced. And we went into that during our Mm -hmm. finale discussion. Um, I believe was our finale discussion, our Patreon discussion, our Patreon discussion. Patreon discussion. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's also available on Patreon.com. But I feel like with the with Chuck being that overarching big villain of all time for all 15 seasons. We're not going to have those issues. Right. I'm hoping because we can't really afford to have those types of There's problems. There's no more time for that. Yeah. Truthfully. And you, you know, you're right with the fact that it does fix the finale fixed it for the next season, you know, and alternate apocalypse universe. Michael was a decent threat for most of season 14 and yeah. I, and not so much decent antagonist as I'd say decent threat. The threat yeah, yeah. pushed yep. Jack into using his powers. He was and, a catalyst. Yes. He wasn't an Azazel. He wasn't a Lucifer seasons no. five. He wasn't Lilith, but he got us as a threat to that point that pushed Jack to the appropriate place to where Chuck would show up and Chuck would get involved. But ultimately Chuck felt like a little bit of a Band-Aid, a patchwork job. Does it make sense that Chuck 
ultimately is the villain of Supernatural. Yes, absolutely it does. When you, when you, t- even myself, when I take some of the rage back, <laughs> like when I first th- thought of it, yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? But when I look back, it does make sense for who he's portrayed himself to be. He yeah. writes himself into these own stories and has fun with it. And then he says, fuck off. I'm done. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. The reveal that Chuck has been the ultimate big bad this whole time works. The idea that Jack is this abomination that frightens him because it's the only thing so far that except that the darkness, which he locked away. Again, and we don't could, even know if that was his thing. Uh-huh. It could have been something he just wrote. And that might have been, yeah, that's true. Jack is the first thing that has threatened him in any way. And from the narrative, that does work because Jack brings Chuck to a point where he has to show his true intentions to get the work done, to do what he feels like needs to be done to protect his own story and to keep things going the way he wants. He has to ultimately reveal himself and his true nature to the Winchesters. But at the same time, it kind of felt like it had no development to get there. It all happened in one episode with a couple of conversations leading up to it. Truthfully, it happens in one conversation at the very end of the episode. All of these things come to light. And on Dab's part, that's where we say the myth arc, the show running, suffers despite the strong concepts, despite the strong writers we shouldn't be feeling like, well, okay, where did this come from Yeah, within one episode? Now, they do remind us of Chuck's behavior with alternate Michael in nihilism primarily, saying that he's a writer and he just writes and he casts these worlds aside. But after that, there is not a single word on the issue. And there was plenty, plenty of, of opportunity, opportunity, especially in the episode Profit and Loss, where the Winchesters, you know, they actually reaffirm that God would not condone what that confused prophet was doing. Mm-hmm. Why would you not throw something in there to yeah. give us a little nugget that we wouldn't really acknowledge or and, understand or understand until the finale when Chuck is revealed as a bad guy. And that's the thing is that we have, we start off. It was built in with the prophet. What if Chuck was having yeah. him do something and because the, it's fucked up and he's like, oh, that'd be a good story. Can you imagine if you, you had the prophet, let's say the prophet had known something about Chuck and it would have left us hanging. And as an audience, we, again, we probably just would have shrugged it off. And then during the finale, it would have come back to us and said, holy shit. We should have seen this coming. At no point in this season did we ever think that Chuck was going to be the bad guy. And that's the problem. And and that's my that's my biggest problem with the with that reveal, because the reveal makes sense. And we said this during our finale discussion, but this is the year in review. And we're going to do a lot of retreads like dab and repeating things. Right. Okay. There also, when you're trying to introduce this new, let's say you're trying to rework something, you're trying to do a perspective switch, Mm -hmm. then you got to also lead us there in your own season. You can't just flip the bus around 180. Right. He allowed the work to be done by other showrunners. And that's my biggest problem with that reveal is not that Chuck is bad. It works. It makes perfect sense. But it would have been nicer if Chuck would have Chuck. It would have been nicer. Yeah. Chuck and Dab would (laughs) have left us some breadcrumbs and said, hey, we're leading you down this path and then suddenly when we get that reveal we're all m night shamalama lana what the tweet confused like oh yeah. my god what that is fantastic tweet? and that's my that's my biggest problem 
with 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 dab as as a whole he comes up with these grand ideas that are so good you can't say they suck alternate universes oh that's freaking awesome good idea lucifer's son wow is a good guy yeah i mean enochian magic humans can use enochian magic by burning away their soul holy shit that's cool but he wows us Mm mm-hmm but then he never goes the distance. He never actually does the work. He will give us a big idea in a in an episode or in a few words and then doesn't really take it any further. Just leaves it there. Yeah. And that's with the Chuck thing. It's more of that. It's just building on what we already know. Yeah. And there's other opportunities throughout the season. I mean, you have the whole aspect that Sam and Dean are fucking up their own son and they're vengeful in the same season in which you revealed Chuck is the bad guy in the same season in which John Winchester, their father comes back for a moment and you don't tie these things together. You don't lead us down a path of how to be better that John Winchester could be the better example, not, you know, do as he does, not what Chuck did. And that could have come into play for the last two episodes. None of that shows up, but to his credit, Dab did correct the party bus, everyone on board mentality from last year that we griped about quite a bit. The idea of bringing back the who's who at the end of season 13, where everyone got that like superhero pose shot as they came through the multiverse door. Remember Bobby, remember Charlie, here's catch again. You guys like Nazi Castiel, right? And all these things. We didn't do that this year, which was good. We had reserved and restrained guest appearances they showed up when they needed when it served the story in some way that and it was a lot more focused i will say that about dab that he he learned from that the things that we have complaints about are obviously valid okay no matter no matter what some of our listeners may say and try to like get mad at us sometimes because i there are there are some listeners out there that get upset that we you know do our job <laughs> and what? review and discuss no. a show. But obviously they're valid because you notice everything we complain about is in here. Now? Obviously dab understand. I'm not saying he listens to our show. No. I'm saying that he probably goes back and says, okay, you know what? I could have done that differently. I brought these people back. What did I do with them? Right. He's obviously, he obviously wants to be a better showrunner. He obviously wants to improve because he does go back every season and correct something that he didn't do very well. The first go round. And that's yeah. why this season ultimately is his best season because he is continually trying to fix things that didn't necessarily pan out. Well, that's the thing is that it's that is the best sign for the future. This season Absolutely. was a big improvement over the previous two. And now with the finish line, a, a clear end date. You and a plan set out even if you don't have a fully focused plan you have some serious concepts that need to be addressed combine that with jared and jensen putting their own input into the final season season 15 could be really great and frankly should be his best season and i'd like to think it could be one of the best seasons we ever have yeah it should be there's no reason it shouldn't be the final season of a show that's been on for 15 years yeah it needs to be yep and that's why i'm so excited for season 15 because of the because quite because Dab, like I said, Dab obviously understands his his errors. He fixes them. We have a final season coming up. And just like you said, with J2's uh, input, Jared and Jensen, 
all the ingredients Dab understanding his strengths, his weaknesses. We have a group of fantastic writers. You're right. Who have several years under their belt now, too. I mean, these writers are, I mean, Yoki, Perez, Behrens, Meredith Glenn, Eugenie Ross Lemming, and Brad Buckner. Have we ever said they were great in the early days? No, no, they've been bringing it. They have been great the last two years. Yeah. They just, stepped up truthful, truly. Yeah. They have some great, we have some great writers. We have everything is in the right place for an amazing season finale. S- yeah. Or ser- series finale. Final season. Let's just not <laughs> trip at the last hurdle. But we have to wait for that final season. We do have I one just more. I just got to make sure my resting heart rate doesn't go to hell. Uh, yeah, if it, gets, <laughs> if it gets to hell, I'm totally fat. We got, do have. We sir. One final Helatus to get through. And of course, we will be here with you all throughout the summer. Not as much during the regular season, but we are not going to abandon anybody. We do have Helatus is a bitch programming coming. (laughs) We have a couple of different things that we are talking about doing. We have some theme discussions, as always. We have more spin-off ideas. With the end of the show coming up, there's no reason not to just throw those ideas out wildly and hope that somebody, especially with how the CW's been losing some <laughs> some yeah. uh, programming lately, yeah, they're it's bleeding, time to pick one up. They're bleeding out the ass, let's be honest. The CW's. Bleeding That's just pretty a, much accurate. Just I mean, a if you don't believe us, leakage. check your, your rating. Your ass is hemorrhaging. You're just, it's everywhere. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> So we have that. We have some top Castiel story arcs that we want to discuss. We've never further. done that, Thomas. We've always talked about getting into the Castiel storylines. And for some reason, we've we, never done it. We should do that. All right. <laughs> see you all next week. All right, guys. <laughs> that's an idea. We'll think about it or whatever. And then we all just right. don't do it. So we just, now yeah. we're finally going to do that. We have been talking about reviewing some of these supernatural books that are out there. There's a whole host of those. They take place within certain parts within the seasons, like between season six and seven. So we will do book reviews the same way we do episode reviews. Oh, my God. And there's also talk of writing a spinoff. Join our book well. club, guys. For well, seven ninety nine on Patreon, you can join our book club. <laughs> Becky joined the show. Oh here. my god! Join our book club. We'll like talk about Jensen's death. <laughs> Ryan will start his uh, slash fan fiction. It seems. Oh my god! He's gonna rail me. <laughs> Can't wait. Good God! Wow! I forgot. What I could was do I that. saying? I forgot I could do that voice. Actually. <clears throat> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so this writing a spinoff thing. I'm sorry, you just threw me. Yeah. That, that we're doing. That's you and I, Thomas. That is us. That's us. And we're, we I'm are, not allowed for that one? No. After that I, example? Fuck you guys, dude. We're going to be... No, no, it's cool, dude. We're going to be... Uh, Don't try to make an excuse. What's it called? A digital diary of sorts? I, I, what's it called when you catalog your... your? Uh, it's called a vlog. Or a, a vlog. Or a blog. <laughs> I guess that's better than digital diary. Digital, digital diary. Oh my God! Johnny looked at me today. Johnny looked at me. We made eye contact. Today was March third. We're gonna take oh a break, God. and we'll be right back Forget into our it. top five. Right, Jesus fucking Christ! We'll talk about Just that during the episode. It. Just go with it. Now I lost music. Fucking God! We have a timer, Ryan, for specific songs, <laughs> and you mess it up. Any other? 
when no, this just, happened, just, no, hold on. <laughs> when this happened on any other radio station, Thomas? No. Like, now, you, well, you've worked at big radio stations. I have, yeah. <laughs> it does. There's a clock. You have a timer, and you're like, you have to go to break, or the song is going to end. You, you just start yell at over. Them to shut up, or you turn their mic off. Jesus Christ! You just got a bit right there. Trisomia 21. <laughs> They're human beings. They have sex the same way we do. They don't mind meld in order to fuck. <laughs> now then, they don't, maybe they don't place their fingertips together and they're orgasming. The way these, I mean, Thomas. The, oh, Jesus, he's in the studio. Uh, Thomas, I mean, the way the gays uh, signed those leases for the latest Kia excursion. I mean, it's just, it's madness. The way they do those leases and buy those homes. And, you mean and, with the signature the same way everyone I mean, else their, does? Their credit ratings are just exuberantly high for, for people. From it's a just, lack of divorce? It's, it's true. I mean, they live a better life. They have more disposable income than the rest of us. But good golly, they're going to ruin society. <laughs> if anything, we can learn a, a little bit about economics. And, and the life savings from the gay community. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, mm. and even blow you away. Plus, 
free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Welcome back, everybody. Now we're going to be talking about our top five episodes for season 14. We do this each and every year. These were the five episodes that we discussed amongst ourselves and came up with an order for which one we thought best represented season 14 overall. So coming in at... Well, hold on. Whoa, Jeez, oh, you, you have, have, you have the whole year, bit? Every year. Is it every year? Uh, every see, year. And now, hello, hello, hello. That sounds like my alien voice. Never mind. <laughs> All right, Thomas, take us away and start with number five, please. Number five, Byzantium, episode eight. Now, this one we discussed a little bit about, but the big strengths for Byzantium was that this is where Sam and Dean really showed how desperate they were, how much Jack was a part of their family, how much they would willingly sacrifice, go through, throw caution to the wind for somebody else that they had never done. They've never gone this far for anybody else to actually bring them back from the dead within less than 20 minutes. The decision was made that we have to do something. They've let many other people in their life go, but Jack was different. As Sam even said in this episode, He's our kid. He's I mean, our son. Sam hit a dog. I mean, he took him a whole, almost a whole season. Yeah, to get his shit together yeah, for that. Dude. But with Byzantium. And he, and he bailed on Kevin. <laughs> That's well, true. Fuck, you know, fuck Kevin. But wouldn't you uh-huh. bail on Kevin too? I mean, look at him. He's not a good wingman, dude. Well, season eight, Kevin, yeah. Yeah, I would like to. Yeah. You whine yeah. so much. Season nine, Kevin, I can, I'm cool with Ke- season nine. Yeah, season nine, Kevin. What, what, which season, what, did he not have eyeballs? It's season nine. That's season, nine. season, yeah, dead Kevin is my favorite. Dead, dead Kevin. Kevin. That is so rude. Well, but he's dead. What do you want me to say? He's alive? Blind Kevin is the correct term. He's dead, dude. <laughs> no, but by Byzantium had the death of a parent. Death, the death of a child to a parent, both for Sam, Dean, and Castiel, that everybody was going through such heartache and grief that in in a in something from a horror movie, they threw caution to the wind and brought someone back. Damn the consequences in yeah. this episode, and it was a nice you know harken back to previous lore established with Lily Sunder returning. This also set up Jack's ultimate downfall by the end of the season with him burning through his soul. And also something that we, you know, shame dab sometimes for for not doing and bringing about a great concept and not going back to it. And he actually set something up and used it in a very big way, meaningful way that actually pushed Jack into a place that would actually end up leading to Chuck's reveal. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. Additionally, we had the empty just, you know, obliterate, (laughs) run through what was left of heaven. Yeah. All seven people and tell Castiel, I have this ultimatum for you. I'm going to, when you're finally happy, I'm going to take it all away. 
that's ominous. It's dark. It brings that character back to the forefront. And it was Supernaturals does a very good job with the family doesn't end in blood moments. And Byzantium is a great yeah. example of that. Well, I, I think with this one, we truly kind of got the, the how they feel about Jack in yeah. this one. I think we were still kind of on the edge, especially with Dean and everything. And I think with this episode, we got a, a nice idea of how Sam and Dean actually feel about Jack. And I think that was the that was the big kicker because we were still kind of like, you know, it was still on the fence a little bit at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Mike, do you have anything you want to add to Byzantium? No, no. That's that's our number five. Number four. 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 Number four. 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 Number four. Number four. That's what I like. Number four, please. <laughs> is that a double? Is that a double cheeseburger? Uh, yes, number four, please. <laughs> Bravo. Um, Coming in at number four, we have the mid-season finale, episode nine, The Spear. This spear, I mean, when you have like a diehard setup, you can't go that far wrong, can you? Really? No. No, you can't. And also that over-the-top, you know, slow motion shot with the Christmas music. (laughs) I mean, was it Beethoven something number 75,000? I don't know what it was, but the the music they use in the background, it was good. Plus, I mean, isn't that the episode that we had the return of Garth? It it was. Yeah. We have, well, into any importance, truthfully. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Garth in a very long time and they used him, you know, again, we talked about that whole, uh, you know, dab, correcting the whole party bus mentality where let's bring people back for no reason. That was a, a way to bring back an old favorite in yeah. a way that mattered to the story. They utilized him correctly. They, it was nice because they had Garth, like you said, they had Garth brought back. It focused on Dab's ability to bring back characters at the time that matters, not just for, Hey, don't you love this guy? Well, Fan it service. Sense, right? It made sense. We f- see in this episode, Michael's plan, come to fruition we see him trying to convince like the emperor trying to convince jack to come over to the dark side yeah that you're different than them you're more powerful you will always be different they can't be a family to you any of these things and to happen so shortly after byzantium is also gotta fuck with his understanding of the world like he just got brought back from heaven by these guys his family so he no doubt has faith in them. But for Michael to say anything that still gets in his head is very insidious. It makes him a great villain. And we get finally in this episode, the reveal that Dean basically had the door left open and Michael could just jump ship whenever he wanted. And that moment was great to to talk about like bringing in particular characters that we remember, not for member berries. Mm -hmm. It's we always, this is something, this is a, a topic we bring up almost all the time is that if you're going to bring back a character and a beloved character like Garth is, mm-hmm. it, it has to make sense to what's going on in the story. And yeah. I think this was definitely one of the better ones. Well, yeah, it was it's seamless. Yeah, it's you're, seamless. You're dealing right. with monsters being remade. Why not <laughs> use an inside man? I mean, it, you're right, Ryan. It makes perfect sense. I, I just think that we, we talk about it all the time and we talk about, you know, for example, Bobby. They brought back Bobby yeah. for member berries. It wasn't yeah. really for any reason. And I think... To bang Mary. Come on. Well, yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to see Bobby put it inside of her. Yeah. Yeah. Throw a hatchet at that pity. 
Um, <laughs> oh my god! Is that what he calls his dick? The hatchet? I'm gonna put oh my, my hatchet god! Right. That's split, what he calls it's it. It's gonna split her pussy. Well, right John Winchester has a Lucille. I had the hatchet. Oh, <laughs> oh, Bobby has a hatchet. I should say not me. I'm living vicariously to Bobby. <laughs> Stupid. I, I just I'm I'm glad that this one actually made sense. And I think you know because we're always so stickler about that bringing a character back for no reason. And I think. Like like you said, Mike, this one 100% made sense. And I, I I don't know why that bugs me so much, but it really fucking does. And I'm so glad that they did this one right. Yeah. I mean, and also Barron's just did a great job writing the episode and going back and forth from our two different groups, building mm-hmm. that suspense up all the way up to the very last moment when, you know, uh, Alt-Michael takes over repossesses Dean which I thought was such a great piece of lore the fact that he recreated monsters so that he can create essentially a gateway into any being and use them as a vessel I thought that was amazing and then the snap at the end and boom we're done great way to end it yeah it was a strong episode and Eamon Catarali is is I and I feel bad because Phil uh Scritchia is that how you say his last Segretia. name? Segretia. Phil Segretia is is one of my all-time favorites. He's been around since day one, but Adam Cotterelli, I mean, damn, dude, that guy's use of visuals and, and using the camera and the blocking, he works so well with the cinematographer and the things he brings to his episodes now. I mean, Phil, I love you, buddy, but what have you done for us lately? I mean, Adam, I mean, Eamon Cotterelli is bringing the heat in every single episode he directs now. He really makes those words on the page stand out. Yeah, he does. He brings it to life. And that that's half of any visual entertainment. Yeah. Is bringing that to life. So the spear came in as number four for all of us here. Where's your energy, Thomas? Jesus Christ. You're uh, number four. I'll do some He's cocaine a, real quick. Here's Thomas. Number four. Yeah. Holy God, dude. <laughs> the spear. I'm going to go over there. and can, Bueller. Can you, is my Nerf gun over there? Bueller. I'm going to bring that back into the studio and start shooting. Oh, Jesus. I have an airsoft gun. That might wake him up more. <laughs> Even Ryan has more energy than Thomas tonight. He's just, I have, I'm always Ryan's energy, always though. on energy, dude. Just Winnie the Pooh over there, dude. Just, <laughs> it's Eeyore, dude. <laughs> I guess. The spear. You okay, dude? You want me to punch you in the nuts or something? <laughs> That's going to make him feel better. Yeah. Oh, I don't care about making him feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. Number three. Number Number three. Number three was episode seven, Unhuman Nature. This, this one, I mean, shit, dude. Looking back at this one, this one had so many of those supernatural moments that we crave each and every season each and every episode we want to feel that you know something that will give us that single man tier and having jack and dean go on this kind of mini road trip father-son bonding element in this episode the the three men and a baby aspect of this episode was great (laughs) it's just it hurt to watch in such a great way because it was a passing of the torch, you know, seeing them fish the references back to John, mm-hmm. seeing how the world is different from their eyes through Jack, essentially having that kid, having that, that thing to put on everything on the line for. It was something that they've never done before. Not truthfully. Sam and Dean have always done that for each other. Even Castiel didn't come quite to that level. I feel like sometimes, 
But Jack, here at this moment, we got that. And at the same time, getting to see that conversely, that contrast with Nick and his descent into fucked up madness and depression to the point where he wants Lucifer back. I mean, that's creepy, first of all, but it was such a good way to juxtapose the two different aspects of human nature. And that's where we keep saying, you know, things like Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner have really brought their A game in the last couple of years, but it's, it's episodes like this that you feel that they really care about these characters. They and have they're taken, understanding. They they're understand. Understanding. Yeah. They have taken to Lucifer in such a great way to make him feel like he is realistically where he would be, you know, whether that's as Nick or in season 13, they always improved upon him from season five without him being kind of a joke that he can't became at one point and made him threatening again. We get to see Jack, his son be completely different than the damage that was done to Nick and brutally murdering Frank in this episode Dude, too is just that like holy fuck brutal. and then just praying to Lucifer and that wakes him up in the empty that shot too the skeleton with the red eyes coming out of the, the was dope black ooze like it just was great Dude, that was probably I mean we've seen some pretty messed up stuff on this show that was pretty dark, dude, the way he killed Frank. With a fucking hammer. Dude, that's... Jesus. That's rough, dude. <laughs> like, I, we, I know we've seen some some fucked up shit on this show, but that was pretty... That was pretty... It's pretty dark. There. Yeah, that was pretty out there, dude. It's pretty dark. But, in, it, again, it just it's such a good comparison to seeing where Jack is, how good of a person he is, and what, at that time, not only Sam and Dean, but the world was truly losing with his impending death. And it's just hard to watch in the best way. It really is. Yeah. I mean... You like my addition there? Yeah, I was like... Yeah. Th- yeah. Th- yeah. yeah. Okay, Eeyore. <laughs> well, I also like the uh, <laughs> the lore aspect with the shaman that uh, catch... Yeah recommended Sergey. Uh, yeah Sergey. Well, that was awesome i just i wish we would have taken that a little bit further yeah. but Sergey. but also it's it's one of those things that can work in a in one episode and done because it's just enough to bring more uh i get not substance but just more world building in a single episode i'm okay with stuff like that this is one of those instances where a good idea can work in just one episode you don't always need to bring in you know this elaborate idea or this cool idea and always go back to it right and, you know, for better or worse, this also had the concept of Abraxas introduced. And while it didn't uh, work out how we wanted, I, I can't help but feel a little bit of personal fan joy because we started spiraling off on this we whole really, idea. We really here. did. Yeah, we went. But that that's just our own little personal touch to it. Truthfully, the strength of this episode is Jack and Dean's moment. Yes. The lore introductions with Sergey, the compared to the darkness of where Nick is at and the possible threat and return of Lucifer. Right. Especially when we know that things don't just come back from the empty for Nick to be able to somehow whisper through that veil, that connection to Lucifer is so strong that it will wake up this undead archangel 
and bring this problem right back to the forefront. I, I think the other thing that I really like too is those those shots in the empty in general. Mm-hmm. I just think are really cool, and I don't know why. I think it's just because it's that minimalistic. I ha- you know what I really felt like? It's like when Neo loads into the Matrix and it's just white. Yeah. And like that's I oh, think, it gives you that sense, same uh, sensation. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's it's just a cool shot for me. I, I you know I I dig the whole empty in general, just the way that they did it, kind of very bland, nothing there, and then something appears. Mm-hmm. So I did like that. I, I do enjoy that. But I think you're right, Thomas. The best part of this episode was was the Sam or the Dean and and um, Jack, like just them. Being together. Bonding. I mean, it's their father son bonding moments. Yeah. And it all plays on to the big strength of season 14, which was building on those themes of fear, at least the first half of season 14. That theme of fear of what they could lose, of Dean and Sam losing Jack. It was all part of it in this episode. And, it, and especially with closing out with Rowena saying, there's nothing more that can be done. Right. He's going to, all you can do is be here for him as he dies. That's. Bleak as fuck. And probably one of the main reasons we liked this episode. Yeah, we really did. Yeah. All right. On to number two. Number two. 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 Number two. Is that a Big Mac? I don't remember what number two is. It's a Debbie Debbie. It's a Debbie Debbie. Oh my God, I love Debbie Debbie's. I'm going to rub it on my penis. Oh, wow. Jesus. Okay. I don't think the Oscar, the Academy wants to use their music for that type of nonsense. <laughs> Even with what, licenses. Who cares what they want? They're idiots. Or licensing, I should Licensees? say. <laughs> All right. Number two. Tom. All right. Number two was episode four, Mint Condition. And I think the main reason this one gets it is because Ryan was in it. So stupid. It's <laughs> so dumb, dude. I'm not even in this. The guy oh, was a total I douche. forgot about that. He is in it. No, so let's get real. That's true. It's not It's such a good episode, though. It this is. is. Yeah, this and, is awesome. And can we just say, uh, once again, who, who directed this? Eamon. Eamon Catterally. Just the visuals were fantastic. The directing choices, the framing. Again, the whole, even the writing from Davy Perez once again wows us with these types of episodes. The, the monster episodes where... I guess they're essentially filler, but we're also dealing, remember early on, we were dealing with the theme of fear. And this episode just worked so well with that idea. And then, of course, the whole franchise and a franchise idea and Mm -hmm. the the massive world building. And we went into all the ins and outs of how great that is with the actual episode discussion. But, yeah, this is this is definitely worthy of number two. In fact, in fact, we had a little bit of a not a we had to we had to figure things out because i wanted this to be number one you did yeah, yeah. i i felt this like is so tough the yeah. only, well and I, I it was tough for me as well because this is essentially a monster of the week episode yeah and i couldn't really justify putting a monster of the week episode as the number one episode of the season right but it's a fantastic episode in almost every way there's so much substance and that's why we we have said that these writers are so strong in that right. writing room, because even the Monster of the Week episodes are filled with substance. They do such a great job with taking the little they're given. And they manage to just really just flesh it all out. Well, and not just that. I mean, like you said, the the writing and the world building. This wasn't just a throwaway, let's do a monster. They put their, especially Davey Perez, the writer, put his heart and soul into making this thing real and with the the costume design the special effects the cinematography they made 
the Hatchet Man and All Saints Day, something that you could easily see at a horror as being con real. Yeah. as being real. Yep. Up there with Freddy and Jason and Candyman. I, I could see it because the, the design is great. The costume the, design was all amazing. The, all the lore behind it, the, the, the goofy. Creepy looking the, too. The, the goofy ass, you know, um, trailers that they kept showing. Oh, the, so just, good. The it, whole dude, grindhouse it, vibe. Yeah, it yeah. had like this, this, this vibe. Exploitation genre. Yeah. The mm-hmm. B, the B. Slasher flick. Slasher flick. flick. And I think yep. that's what made this so good. This episode and the way Dean in, like reacted to it because we know in deep down Dean is a dork, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we know so that they confirmed that what in the last episode. Yeah. Like <laughs> we, we, I mean, we know he's a dork. So like watching him geek out over something that I know particularly that f- at least three or four people that geek out about horror films like this. So it's, it, it just, it built a world and built even a world inside of a world that made sense to what it was making fun of. And yeah. I think that's the best part about it. Well, it wasn't just all the stuff at the surface level, too. It was great character moments. We see Dean, you know, eating pizza and nerding out with that other kid about their favorite movies and which ones go where in the order for them. Right. And it's a nice moment to see Dean kind of be a kid again when so many other bad things are happening around him, especially after his time as being Michael's, you know, meat suit. But then we also see Dean or uh, see Sam nerd out with that other girl making like an impromptu explosive device Mm -hmm. being a science dork we get to see the characters be who they are not just what they do which is hunt monsters it was a nice little moment and it is tough to put to want to put a monster of the week episode at the top but when it is done so well that you really can't find fault within the episode other than it is just a filler monster of the week episode. When that's its biggest drawback, that's a pretty good case for it being number two on our list. All right. Time for our number one number episode one. of season 14. One. Hold on. Let me get it. Oh, on. my Do God. your fucking job. <laughs> I have 50,000 of them over here. Elf. Number one. 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 Number one. Thomas, the take number us away. One, the number one episode for season 14. Number one episode for season 14. <laughs> was episode 10. Episode 10. Nihilism. God damn it. <laughs> no, the mid-season premiere, Nihilism, was such a strong episode. Not only because... I mean, fuck, we had some great insight into Dean's mind, his happy place. Heart-touching moments. Heartfelt moments, heartbreaking moments. there you go. Michael, Dean playing Michael, Jensen playing Michael, this aspect of this character is the best it ever was for season 14 Mm -hmm. at this moment. He was the most like the character. It felt the most unique and different than just Dean with a different outfit on. You know, it it took, we never had a true problem with it, but this is where he really became this character. Michael feels threatening and dangerous. The monsters run amok and are are free to just slaughter people throughout the entire city. And at the same time, we get insight and the only breadcrumb to the season finale, truthfully, where Michael says his whole reason, his whole vendetta and rage that, He's going to go after God that they are just they are just stories that are written and abandoned 
how much more relevant what he how much more relevant is his statement it's monumental when he says i found out he was a writer i mean what did that actually mean what if he actually knew it's not that we kind of took it off as like a ryan statement oh he's a writer an academic i'm gonna shoot him you wow. know, F academics. You've said that, Fuck okay, that in your discussions. I hate no, academics. I, I, You've said no, that. No, I don't. I don't okay. think I've said I hate academics. Uh, okay. Find the find the. I don't line, think I've actually said drop. hate academics. I just, you know, so I strongly dislike them. Okay, all right. So that's. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> That's kind of how it was taken. You know, he's a writer. I'm a warrior. I'm, I'm a conqueror of worlds. And this mm-hmm. guy, my father, my creator is a writer. That's kind of how we took it. But what if it meant so much more than that? What if it meant like this is all fabricated? It's he's all, a writer. Right. He's writing all of this for us. We're playing parts that he is writing. He's, like he's playing just with the, our lives. Yeah. We are puppets in his sick, demented play. And when he's done with us, we get cast aside. What became a, you know, justifiable, interesting line has become the cornerstone for all of season 15 moving forward. The season finale is this statement. And Michael feeling like such a threat, even when handcuffed with the, you know, Enochian sigils and stuff like that. It's great to see that for him to still feel that threatening for him within Dean's own mind to show up and be a threat. The heartbreaking moment when Dean kind of realizes this is a fabrication. This isn't real, but also the sadness where that's all he wants was just this simple bar life where Sam and, and Castiel and Jack even, and Mary are all part of it. And, you know, they come back from hunts every now and then, but he won't sell the place. And it's, we talked about it at length during that episode. It's very simple and very, hard to watch hard to listen to at the same time it it's heartbreaking but it because also, it's so basic but it's yeah very true to dean's character and also it goes back to one of dab's ideas that has really worked well the idea that sam and dean are okay with what they're doing that it's not about hey you know what i'm gonna live in a home with a white picket fence have yeah. a family have a couple kids a go dog work, go work at nine to five you have a dog <laughs> hey, he has kind of reframed his Sam dream. and Dean's ideas of what they want for the future and how they've kind of come to, I don't want to say terms. Cause that sounds like, Oh, well, this is what we do. It's, it's almost like uh, they're content with what they're doing. They're okay. They understand that this is their life and, mm-hmm. and they enjoy doing it. They enjoy saving people. And that's another strong statement that dab was, has been saying for the last two or three years. Um, and that came to full realization in this episode when Dean's happiest place yeah. was still hunting. He just got to be with his family, all the people he loves while he's tending a bar. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful statement. And maybe uh, when you look back in retrospect, perhaps maybe that's the end of the show. Maybe that's how it maybe ends. Maybe that is how it ends. Maybe Dean has a bar. In fact, I want he goes that now. and gets Rocky's bar. Yeah. What if he? That's how it ends. Shit. That'd be all right. That, because then, well, be, then my theory goes out the window. I'm I'm not okay with it. Well, we've already <laughs> discussed that um, in our Patreon show that we used to always say we did it. What it was last week? Our Patreon show. I keep losing track of these. I think so. And we went into how the show needs to end. Season fifteen. Yeah, last week. Right. And we went a bunch of stuff, but I'll just say this one part here. Um. We used to think that Sam and Dean has to die. They have to die no matter what. That's how the show should end. But the show has changed right since then. 
It's a different show in some and that, ways. It's very different. And Sam and Dean are in different spots in their lives and in their maturity levels are so different. Right. And they don't need to die any longer. It is not a part. It doesn't have to be a, the, a part of the end. Right. And I would be okay with an ending like that. They wrap it all up. They save the day and we fade out. Maybe we do like five years later, we fade in and we just see the sign Rockies. Mm-hmm. That's it. Rockies bar. We don't even need to see them in it. And suddenly we realize this is the happy ending. It would work. It would work. Yeah. And that's why this episode is so good because so, it just it says so much about our characters, so about what our heroes. Point, what point do they introduce Rocky Balboa next season? Oh, my God. I'm just God. curious. Like, wait, what? <laughs> well, this, this episode also works for not only Sam and Dina's characters, possibly the end of the show, setting up season 14's finale and season 15. Yep. But it also gives us the the next big plot points for the main myth arc of the season, which is Jack, the burning of his soul, and some of the admittedly, ultimately pointless elements, such as Billy and the Malik box. But in this episode, we see Jack burn his soul to kill Michael's monsters to save the people in the bunker, showing how good he is, but also putting that threat that he will burn it off to save other people. It's just a matter of time then, yeah, it's, knowing it's, what they do. It's not if, it's when. And I think it's... and. I think it, that's it's such a double-edged short because it shows us exactly how Jack feels about the Winchesters mm-hmm. and the people that are around Sacrifice him. Yeah, sa- right. He's essentially a Winchester at this point by making that decision that, hey, this is my soul, but I'd rather burn it off to save the people that I love. And it's exa- it's identical, poetic, uh, that's something that Sam and Dean would do mm-hmm. and, and not even think twice about it. And I think that's the, the that's such an awesome sh- uh, you know part of this episode. And I think Mike's right. I I think with with the bar aspect, with Rocky's bar aspect, talk about. I've always loved the Groundhog's Day kind of idea that you're living the same thing over and over and over again. And the fact that you know we see Dean, the most happy is that he's still hunting. He just works intermission at a bar. Mm-hmm. Is again shows us what makes Dean tick and makes him happy. Whereas with Sam, we saw it was a completely different thing, uh, right. you know, a couple seasons ago. So it was, it was poetic in the fact that we we know Dean is all about the family business, but for him to truly be happy, you know, working a bar, yeah, was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Jack, it's, it's it, it sets us up for where we're going to go, and it shows it, yep. who he really is yep, for the season. And then what an ending to have death show up and say, "Hey, you think you locked him away? Good job. It's all going to get fucked." Like, that is what she did at that end of that it's episode, true. and it's a great cliffhanger for the mid-season premiere to lead us into where we go. Where do we go from here? So, regardless of how that panned out at this time within this episode, it is a great fucking setup for the rest of the season in many respects, right. what, regardless of whether it was Michael, Jack or Chuck, ultimately that ended up being the problem. That's like the ultimate white names, but that's Michael, Jack and Chuck. That's also kind of the problem in general with suburbia. When does Becky show up? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, that for, for us, it was nihilism. That was the best standalone episode of season four. And there's our number for our top five. Yeah. Our top five. Yeah. We went, th- we went through that, um, Rather fast. I was going to say slow. No, it took, oh, that, that took slow? a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm up. I so tell. the next category that we like to do is. Hold on. I'm waiting. Jesus. <laughs> 
Crossroads Best New Lore is... Okay. The, the Cajunta, the creature that lives in the woods Cajunta. that is... Cajunta. Cajonas? The Cajonas. The creature that the lives... <laughs> the Kombucha. Ah, the Kulo. The Kool-Aid Man was the greatest new lore. Oh, yeah! <laughs> wait, 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 when was he in this? That'd be great. I could actually see him in one I of those silly episodes. Like with the teddy bear that tried to kill itself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It would work perfectly. <laughs> but no, that creature was... It, admittedly, it was in a Monster of the Week throwaway episode. Perhaps the, the most by the numbers monster of the week episode for this season. But that was such a great creature design. It looked so unique. It was truly terrifying. We blew that episode for the practical effects, the makeup and costume effects in this one. And fantastic job with the practical effects. It was fantastic job. And the truth of the matter is it, it really did feel somewhat like season one or, or, Kripke's early days where we have this monster this touch about old lore we have a touch about the Wendigo and and Native American rituals and what has created this thing the the shaman curse on a human that has gone mad it really does bring it back to that old supernatural era where it is this road trip across the country hunting things that go bump in the night and it also gave us not only just some great practical effects but it was really kind of fucking creepy yeah some great cinematography fun. in this episode too yeah and unfortunately some of the other lore that was introduced in the season didn't ultimately pan out to be much of well, anything because well, you had the spear which meant nothing Nothing. the malik box meant nothing the equalizer meant nothing and- see for for <laughs> me like i know we had this conversation in text earlier today and it's like even though they didn't mean anything they ended up fizzling out I still. No, they didn't fizzle out. They didn't mean. They literally meant nothing. I, I, yeah. I'm aware of that. That's what I said. They they before fizzled said, out fizzle is maybe like the the case. Look, I'm trying to be a little nice here. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Go ahead. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I'm used to you being a jerk off. Yeah, well, you're being a jerk off. All right. So uh, even though even though they they didn't pan out or they didn't they didn't show up more than we wanted, I think they're still cool designs and they're cool ideas. And I think there has to be some kind of honorable mention for that. Just even though they, 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 they went nowhere. I think the equalizer was fucking cool looking. And especially after where we went with the cult and how the cult disappeared and to have another mm-hmm. firearm type thing that looked it, you have to admit it looked fucking cool. It, Thomas, it take away right. your shitty feeling about it. It looked cool. I it looked know. all right. I groaned when he introduced it. It looked like a regular, it looked like Dean's handgun with like a, Bedazzle effect. Yeah. Jesus. All right. And, fuck and, both and, of you guys. And, right, honestly, so the next thing. and honestly, the groan was supposed to be intentional. I think we were all supposed to roll our eyes. Like, really, we're doing this again? I yeah. Think yeah. That and was that the was the point of it. Yeah. yeah. The Malik yeah, box. Yeah. See? Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Malik box, again, neat idea. And I think it was something, but it's one of those things where it's like, Malik box, okay. Why wouldn't we think of this like five seasons ago? Right. You know, like so. Well, because nobody could make one that worked. Right. So again, very cool. I think anything that ha- just, uses type of Enochian sigils or anything yeah. just looks cool to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just visually, it looked cool, but ultimately it didn't it, pay it didn't off. Pay off. Right. I loved it because you have. I like the idea and the introduction of it because you have this man, DF Dean, who's mm-hmm. essentially building his own coffin. That yeah, that's right. fucking dark. I, I mean, that's ripped from a western. I mean, that's from the pages Digging of western your own where grave. you yes, yeah. and, or you pull your own coffin. I mean, it's just 
It's fantastic. That's even Christ-like with carrying the cross. Absolutely, It's biblical. It's very much so. So I love all that, but I I feel like that will forever be ruined for me because that line they had Castiel say, like, I don't understand. It's supposed to hold hold an archangel. Yeah. Uh, Jack isn't an archangel, dumbass. He's a Nephilim, shithead. (laughs) And you call him a son? You know who he is. You know what he is, dude, you fucking moron. Yeah. So while the other things were cool, they didn't go anywhere pan out to being anything the cojonta at least it was a fucking great monster yeah that, that delivered for that episode it delivered yeah. for that episode it was the greatest takeaway for us it was the creepiest thing and it was the most the, the best piece of new lore added to the show so now we have our top two writers of season 14 <laughs> oh <laughs> What was it? Am I supposed to get emotional here? I don't know. Just, just cry. I'm over this. <laughs> this music? <laughs> I'm just over, like, Thomas is messing up the setups constantly. You're supposed to let me introduce them. Oh. And then you do it. All right. Now, Thomas, what is it? The top? Now he doesn't want to do it. The top two writers like, of season 14. Like talking to my kid. <laughs> All right. Spell it out, Thomas. <laughs> Number two. We have Robert <laughs> Robert Barons comes in at number two. He has always been a powerhouse in the writing room. He has always been a, a great talent, both for his own original ideas, trying to get the, the, the spinoff off the ground for bringing his characters true depth that have been fun to watch from the beginning. But he's also done a great job this season of it sounds kind of shitty but damage control <laughs> in some ways mm. he's always knows how to do pacing well with different parts of the stories throughout the spear is a great example of that we heighten the tension with how he's able to frame the different aspects of the story and, and keep us engaged the entire 45 minutes to where it doesn't feel like that in any way and I don't know what other way to say that the guys wanted probably like every year that we've done. He's this. legitimately been on here every single time. Has he been? I think on so. Right, yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Boy, we're such fuckers. Dude. He's <laughs> blowing the same people over and Listen, over. Listen, he does a great job. He deserves to be blown a few I, times. He had in this season, he had the scar, the spear and absence. Uh, the fact that you're tasked with Mary Winchester's post death episode or truthfully the the death episode of mary winchester i mean who wants to volunteer for that position in general dealing with a the matriarchal figure the purpose of the show i wouldn't want it no No one wants that one it's like hey you're up you got this uh no yeah that's a no can i not so to come out swinging with that episode to give us a strong mid-season finale that kept us on the edge of our seats he he gets an absolute recommendation win from Supernatural the Crossroads, or an award that means nothing, but we're happy oh, to it bestow means it something. upon him. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. Oh my god! Everybody <laughs> wants appreciation from the people they work for, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our hats off to you, Barons. Bobo Barons. All right. Do you have the music again for number one or just go into it? I don't care anymore. <laughs> That's why I asked. You just sap all the the joy the, out the of joy everything. The joy and fun oh, out of this. wow. Okay. Well, then fuck you guys. So number one. 
<laughs> is Steve Yoki. Uh, Steve Yoki had some of the strongest episodes of this season. He had four total Episode 6, Optimism, Episode 10, Nihilism, Episode 14, Ouroboros, and 15 that he wrote with Megan Fitzmartin, Peace of Mind. To deal with the what we thought was the main true threat of Season 14 in both Nihilism and Ouroboros and also lead Jack down the path was very fun to watch, very strong episodes. Steve Yoki has proven himself year after year that he's been a part of this from season 12 with Lily Sunder and Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines, season 13's Advanced Thanatology and Funeralia, seeing Rowena grow into her own person mm -hmm. and reach a whole new level of power and arc and yet be this person we can depend on at the same time. With nihilism and Ouroboros weaving the metaphor into the story, it it was interesting. It was terrifying. Some of the things we saw with, you know, eating body parts, just cooking them up in the kitchen. Like, that's a normal thing you do. Yeah. Ugh. Just terrifying. Great episodes. Fun to watch. And, I mean, they made it into our, our top episode of the year. So, Steve Yoki. Great job. <laughs> Just crap out for the last twenty minutes Great of the episode. Of like that guy, like was opening the envelope. You know, like the main actor is opening the envelope at the Oscars. Didn't get nominated, and so he's I, like, "Fuck it." I'm just like the guy in the back, like, "Good, yeah, great, yeah. nice job." Golf clap, yeah. Such a dick. The Crossroads top two directors of the season are <laughs> number two. We have. John F. Showalter. This show's like half produced, half shit. Yeah, it's like <laughs> half of it's really good, and the other half's like fucking. We don't give a fuck. You're well, welcome we'll just, to deliver we're just, the, we're just the title. To, we're trying to be meta here we, for season fourteen. We're <laughs> <laughs> trying to be meta. Oh, Lord. We're dabbing it. Oh, oh what? bitch, dad. What? <sighs> bitch, dad. <laughs> John F. Showalter was one of our favorite directors for this season. Uh, the unhuman nature bringing the humanity to such a, a painful episode of Supernatural. And it it did hurt to watch that and to bring out the humanity from the actors. The biggest part of, a, of the director is always to get those performances, keep the vision tight, but get those performances out of our actors. And it was tough to watch in that episode it's tough to watch in game night is the other one he wrote or uh, directed this season and dealing with some major elements right before Jack's death, right before Jack kills Mary to, to make the main myth arc start to finish really in those two episodes where he's dying and accepting that and where he goes too far and can't ever go back and fix it. It's the emotions alone, I think bring out his strength as a director in that bitch dad apparently i'm the only one on this show tonight <laughs> it's ryan sings in the background bitch dad sorry i just that song gets stuck in my head anything to add no i actually no i, I that, that was if that was your executive decision so i don't really know what to say about sean f show you agreed yeah. with it yeah. i think i think he did a good job yeah <laughs> great job i think he did a great that job was, that was his he pulled his veto on that one dude <laughs> He pulled his veto on that one, and, that, and he expects us to chime in. You said, I don't care. I did say, I don't care. That's yeah. exactly because I didn't so, give a shit. My God. 
half produced, half shit show. <laughs> All right. I love it. <laughs> so this is just the you Thomas hour. It seems. <laughs> Show's over, guys. See ya. God damn. I can, I can chime in on the next one. All right, then we'll like. go straight to the next one. That's the one that's important. It's number one anyways. With number one, I think it's no surprise to anybody who's been paying attention. Eamon Caterali took the win for us. Well, I, okay, so let's 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 talk about this because the guy did two <laughs> two episodes on our top five. Mm-hmm. He did Mint Condition and I, the Spear. I think he got number one last year, too, I because did, of yeah. um, Breakdown. What, breakdown, yeah. 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 Dude, I, what, what else can we he say about so him, dude? Good. He's fucking great, right? I mean, Mint Condition, The Spear, and Ouroboros. Those are all three and, strong episodes. And Ouroboros could have been, like, honorable mentions on, yeah, our, on our list. Easily, right? I, it's, 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 it's saying something that the same people are the ones that keep producing the top episodes. I think the CW should take our top list and just give them all showrunner jobs and they'll have shows that actually reach 1.5 million <laughs> every week rather than 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about Supernatural. I'm talking about all their other shows no, I know you that are. are falling apart. By the fucking seams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, there's nothing else that really needs to be said. He no. has had some amazing episodes, some terrifying visuals, great moments, epic moments from... Breakdown, mint condition, spear, or Boros. I mean, I think we can. Not expe- at all. I think we can expect big things from Amy Catarelli when Supernatural's over. Oh yeah, like his career he's going somewhere. Yeah, he's just getting started. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. So now we have a very special award. <laughs> Truthfully, for us, it is this season. Come on, this is our. This is our. This is our. Best picture, right? <laughs> it is. Very it is. Important yeah. penis of the year. Oh, I mean VIP of the year. <laughs> this this one's not gonna shock anyone. This is our best picture. No. The VIP of the year was hands down Robert Barron's for the glaring issue that he had been tasked with writing not only writing the death episode, the funeral episode, truthfully, of Mary Winchester, but there's no way to say it without sounding like a complete ass. Having to write out a character's death and make it something that we cared about after three years of minimal characterization. Well, I, let's take that back just a bit because I felt like season 12 was fine with Mary. Season 12 was good. Season 13 was okay, but right. the season that she dies in, season 14, she was MIA the entire season and, yeah. and we're supposed to care about her death. You and and Barons was handed a shit show. I was like, "Hey, you're going to done you're, anything? Um, Mary's going to die. Um, here you go." <laughs> That's, and, what and Barons, That's what it was. That's what it was. And we discussed all of this in that episode. That yeah. episode discussion that Barons took, and he managed to make Bring her, blood out of a stone. Yes. He managed to make her death matter and remind us why she's important. And even though we're not usually fans of flashbacks, the way he did those flashbacks mattered. It's the only way he could bring meaning to her death at this point because she was a character that just wasn't in the season. She, she was She was gone. And that's the thing is that we knew what she meant. We don't need to be stupid here. We knew what she meant for right. Dean. But you have to remind the audience we have to care as well. We can't just care for the one. It would be more impactful for the show 
if we care about the actual person who died as well. Right. And, and the they managed to fix it because if they didn't do that, if Barron didn't write that episode the way he did, it just would have had no impact. Season 12 was the strongest with Mary, and it comes to the forefront with who we are. One of the, if not, I don't remember exactly, the best episode of season 12, written by Barron's, did a fantastic job of where she started and, and why Sam and, De- or mostly Dean, had so many problems with her but still loved her nonetheless. Season 13 is all about getting Mary back, going to the edge of the universe to try and save their mother. And so she wasn't in it much, but when she was, it was always prevalent with Jack and what was happening in the apocalypse world. And they finally get her back. And then season 14, she really is absent. And that's the thing is that, like you said, Mike, it's not just has she been characterized or been around in the show for the last couple of years. It's it has to be every year because without that episode written by Barron's in the way it was, that death could have fallen would have fallen completely flat it's like how they killed who's the woman of letters um the one that likes sam i forgot her name they killed her a couple of years ago i totally oh, forgot her name yes, now something with a t i forgot her name but Tit. <laughs> the way they killed her with like right. they brought her in and then they killed her and we're like okay we like her but you really didn't build it up like i know a lot of people complained about charlie's death because the way she died, personally for me, I think it worked, especially for what they were trying to do with Dean. It was a brutal death, uh, dead in a bathtub. I mean, how mm-hmm. how much more disgusting can you get? You yeah. needed that just detached callousness in order to get Dean to be or in order to push Dean where he needed to be right. for that season. So that worked. But what did they do before that? They managed to make sure that Charlie was front and center. They built her up that season so that yep. when she would die. It mattered it to us because something. we were reminded of how great she was and what she really meant to Sam and Dean. And they didn't do that with Mary. And that's why Barron's gets VIP of the year because he managed in the next episode after her death. Immediately. When we, when we got when we got confirmation, she is dead. He managed to bring that all back in a single episode. And it's sad that a writer can do that in 45 minutes, but a showrunner can't do that in one season. <laughs> yeah well especially when you think of that too the the writer wasn't handed hey we're going to kill this character so give her a good strong setup it's she's already dead fix this yeah <laughs> that's what happened so absolutely vip of the year ghost robert barons for does that surprise anybody tackling that with such grace and ability at the same time yeah so i mean like it doesn't really no it, it doesn't surprise anybody and i think Unfortunately, Mike's statement there is the truth that one, this is the strong writers with weak show running because he did in one episode what couldn't be done in the 17 prior to that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, 14 seasons in. So we have to, of course, do a new ranking. But season 14 overall, I I do want to get final thoughts because it's. It's one that I've had to think about like a lot more in segments than I think I've ever done before, mostly because we did our quarterly reviews. And I do think it's weird how those broke down for me because each quarter <laughs> things changed dramatically. I, I think for me, I think what was, I'm going to use the word tough. 
the thing that was tough for me about this season was when the season started, we, we all got really giddy about what, what looked to be a really super strong season. I think we were very enthusiastic mm-hmm. and I, we hadn't been that way in a couple seasons and I think as the season went on, I, it got more and more tough to be excited. Um, Sadly, yeah. And and I hate to say that. And I, I think there were, I mean, we talked about it in, in this overall. We talked about things that we liked and there were things that we, we enjoyed about this season. But in general, this this I, this wasn't really that good of a season. I, I hate to say that. I hate to be a, a downer, but it's the truth. And I think what's ultimately sad for me is that we went, we had this season, which was a full length season, and and then we're getting a shorter season next again. Yeah. Again, so it's tough for me to to put my finger on what could have been. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, I mean, we, we did see some really good character development. We did see Jack evolve. Um, so there were good things about the season. I just think overall, this one was a tough season. It was a tough season. Yeah. I, I think that's perhaps the best way to put it for me. When I look at the season as a whole and we do break it down into five chunks, the best way I can describe season 14, it, it is without a doubt dabs best season. Between 12, 13, and 14, this is his best work. However, there still is a lot of room for improvement. When I look at all of what happened, we have the first five episodes. The true threat is Michael, his monsters, his grand plan. What is he up to? Right. The second quarter, by the end of the 10th episode, the issue is Michael is trapped in Dean's head. And if he ever gets out, it'll be death for everything and everyone. So within those two quarters of the season... The main issue and threat has changed. By 11 through 15, by the end of that quarter, Jack burnt off most of his soul and is very possibly evil now, or at least less human, more reckless. Michael's not even a part of it anymore. Now Jack is the threat. And within 16 to 20, while Jack was set up as the threat, now in the very end, Chuck is the threat. And we've gone to like lengths explaining that that does work, but the fact that it came out as so left field at the last minute really did feel jarring. And when mm-hmm. I look at the whole season, it feels like the season is a first draft. Dab and the crew, Dab primarily writes out, here's what will happen within season one. And I can't help but look at it and say, okay, that's great. There's some good ideas, but we need to tie some of these elements together a little bit stronger There are some parts here where we can sprinkle in these breadcrumbs as to why we're ultimately going to end up with Chuck as the villain. And really, if Jack is the myth arc, why is he the B storyline for most of his own story? So it feels like a first draft, like it's better than it was, but it needed refining before we could get to where we really needed to be. There are some great episodes in it. But there's also some very weak ones that shouldn't right. have been. Lebanon is was truly a disappointment because it was emotionally manipulative. And the strength of the episode was the acting between, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and the boys and Mary Winchester. And while it had some great heartbreaking moments that just absolutely kill you, as an episode on its own, it doesn't fit. 
it doesn't feel in place, especially in a season in which they I, themselves will be faced with dealing with their son after betrayal and mistakes and the death of Mary. It it's just feel why was this not tied I, in better? I, you know, I feel like it. Um, I feel like if there was a little more foresight, I feel like the death of yeah. Mary would have worked that much better, especially with how they ended it. And it would have fixed a lot of the um, issues that we had with Lebanon with John Winchester coming back. Yeah. Because the way they, I guess, set it up. The the perspective they gave us on Mary and how she's happy in heaven with John, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's her happiness. And we saw a glimpse of that in Lebanon. So I feel like in retrospect, Lebanon works better for me now that they did kill her. And that now that Dean's also content with her being in heaven, like he's okay mm-hmm. with that, that he's not going to try to rip her from her happiness because he just witnessed how happy she was with their father. So why would he rip her from that joy? Right. Well, I feel like in retrospect, Lebanon's better for me. It still is a sore, an eyesore for a lot of reasons, but it does work better. I don't know. I the Lebanon was a tough one for me because... It's half a script. It's, it's half a script that no, they took I'm, another I'm half. I'm not and, saying it was good. Right. No, right. I, I get I know, what you're I know saying. What you're I'm saying. saying that it's better. It works better. Okay. And that is that is the thing. I think that's you nailed it, Mike. It's foresight. And that's kind of been the problem. Dab had good foresight for the first half of the season. We liked where that was going. It all I can only have foresight a few things. Yeah, like, I need to know what I eat. No, you didn't. <laughs> he only breakfast, thinks to lunch. Second breakfast, dead breakfast. Was he a hobbit? Yeah, apparently. Well, yeah. Haven't you seen him? <laughs> Oh, stop. <laughs> but that's the thing is that if it, it like his previous seasons, they lose focus around the mid after that mid season premiere, they lose focus. And that's yeah. Lebanon does work better knowing where things ultimately end up, but it didn't feel natural at the time. And only in retrospect, do we put the pieces back together ourselves for that cohesive vision. And I, and unfortunately that's while this is without a doubt better than 12 and 13, it is still, weak in that respect i think i'm gonna be this is the first season i think where we feel differently like usually you and i thomas we're usually the three of us are all on the same page i don't feel like this season was that bad i feel like there was some issues some big issues and i still i still feel like dab is the worst showrunner that this show has had mm-hmm. and to be quite frank i would love for us to have another showrunner <laughs> I, I fully agree. But, but I feel like this season overall was strong. There was nothing that was bad. There was nothing that was like, like last season, we were upset about a lot of things. Yeah. Season 12, we gave them a pass saying it was a reboot season. Right. The reboot season was over. Season 13 came about and we were still having the same issues. But I don't feel like this season was that, was that awful. Like, is it fantastic, stellar work? No. It's average. It's, it's, oh, okay, Good. But nothing that made me want to kick babies. Oh, my God. That's aggressive. <laughs> the only episode that probably pissed me off was I think the Lebanon episode pissed me off the most just because it was supposed to be in my mind. I blew it up as something. Right. And even if I didn't blow it up in my mind as something else, if you look at the script, the script was pretty awful. Yeah. Well, half of it. Yeah, was there. <laughs> the fe- and as we said in that discussion, that the feelings were there. Seeing them, it's very hard to call yourself. It would be I would question whether or not you're a supernatural fan, mm-hmm. if it didn't bring some emotions to you, like it didn't right. touch you in some way because it did seeing them all together. That's great. But what else are you going to do for me besides just make me cry? Like, give me some story. G- give me a little more substance than just seeing them all eat 
together in one shot. In I mean, montage. Jeffrey Dean Morgan got probably paid bank to show up and he was there probably for, probably for like three hours. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing, though, is that season 12, I did give a pass because it's a reboot season and season 13 was dramatically a mess. It's the reboot, the reboot guys. What I think hurts yeah. the most with season 14, while it is better, it hurts because the the groundwork is all there. It's all there. All of Jack that you needed. Michael being a, a pseudo threat to push the real problem. My, the breadcrumbs of truck of, of truck Chuck. And it just didn't. I think it'll my, depend on season 15. For my, me. my, my biggest problem with season 14. And I said this as a joke during our, our Patreon Q and a, mm-hmm. I said, Hey guys, when's uh, season 14 going to start? <laughs> Do you remember I said that? Yeah, yeah. And there was truth to that because I feel like the show just started. We, we, that yeah think about what happened in season 14 and this is why i don't think it was bad but there's just it doesn't feel like enough it doesn't feel like anything really happened i i broke it down in the show notes thomas we had the opening mm-hmm. the narrative dilemma jack could die then halfway through jack could lose his soul and then the final quarter what would jack do without a soul and how dangerous could he become that is how simple the storyline is it really is that is three three hot points and we don't get that's there. the season and then we get to there, we get there by episode 20, and we're done. And it's over. And I think that jarring slap is why it, yeah. it still bothers me as much as it does. There's just not but enough. I don't it, think yeah. it's bad. It's just, it's... Vi- That's I mean, kind of what it is. It's D- not Dad bad. Dad is the king of stretching things out. Do you remember yeah. when you had to write like a 15-page essay The beginning of the high sentence school? of which I will start yes. now is the beginning. That's what Dad is. He's a high school student uh, trying to stretch out his 15-page essay. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck, I've got 13 pages. I've got to stretch this motherfucker out. Will dude. Jack die? Does Jack die? <laughs> Jack died. Did he? He's back, but he has no soul. Does it? I don't know. No, he's the problem. Maybe not. It's Chuck. Oh my God. I think you just did. You just plagiarize an essay I wrote in high school. <laughs> Holy shit! I just plagiarized Dab's fucking outline. Wait, wait, right wait, there. wait. Let's not act like you wrote that. You plagiarized that from someone else. You copied and pasted <laughs> that, that shit, and that's right there. Is is kind of that's the Dab. fucking problem. It's like telephone, dude. Mike says it, and, and it goes through seventeen people, and then Dab yeah pukes it out. So, and, yeah, and, I think the point. Yeah, it's, it's the point is there. So I think we have to re reorganize our season rankings from least favorite to most favorite. And let's get through this pretty fast because yeah. we're already. So Ryan, out. we're going to start with you. What do you, what do you have starting from least favorite season up to your favorite season? Oh, d- or do we want to, we no, know the no, top go, five. Go, let's go, go to, go from first to Yeah. Worst. Let's go yeah. first to worst. Cause we know these first five usually. Yeah. First five is, do I really need to say? Just, one, two, it's three, four, interchangeable. Five? I, I, it's in, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't Thomas hold on before we get into this hold on hold on <laughs> oh man Thomas mm. do nice. you not in your notebook there have this written down I do for everyone I'm pretty sure you have it for everyone I have my last seasons I have my no my last seasons I, I have this some change mine. I have some changes based on what happened you this actually year. changed it based on what happened this year I've changed mine really yeah oh you're saying from last year Right. Yes, that's yeah, what we said. I, that's that's what I just bad. said, isn't it? Okay. Oh, I missed what you said. Oh, so you're saying from last year. I thought you were talking about from our discussion earlier I, today. I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I tried everywhere. I had these written down, and I cannot find my fucking... Oh. I'm being honest. I, I just couldn't find it. That's all right. Go ahead. 
Uh, I don't have yours actually written. Wow, down. cool. So he writes everyone else's down but mine. So that's how much my <laughs> my opinion. You know what? Look, this is what I'm going to say. Just go through them. Fucking Jeez, hell, make this a drama them. queen, you he, bitch. He's like the Kanye West I, of I, the year I, in I, review. Look, I am <laughs> side-skirting this because I don't have them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Play him off the stage. <laughs> Somebody give me a fucking hook so I can hook myself out of here. Jesus. That's what I was trying to allude to. President but nobody, Bush don't like white people. Nobody wanted to listen. Good Lord. I don't like black people. That's what he oh, said. This one's tied for last anyways. So there. <laughs> oh, my God. Go. I just did. Oh. That's this, it. I'm done. Tied for last. <laughs> I, That's I, it. I really hate riots sometimes. I, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> Mike, I'm going to come to you. Okay, then. thank you. Right. Help me. God, I was trying to, I was trying to rope myself off, and you guys fucked it up. I'm going to just cut one through five <laughs> we out. Fucked it up. Yeah, okay, one I'm, through five out because they they are always changing, <laughs> but they're always one through five. Fair enough. Okay, so number six, season six, I should say, follows seasons one through five. Okay, then season eight, season nine, season eleven, season ten, season seven, season fourteen. Season thirteen and season twelve. So wait, you you flipped. I flipped twelve season, and thirteen. I flipped then, season eleven. Used to be right after season six. Yeah. Okay. But now with the reveal of Chuck, I just don't feel like that ending that Carver did. I feel like Dab effed over a lot of people I with did. his. The reveal works, like I said, it but does, it does fuck things but up. But it changes, it, yeah, it changes a, a lot, lot because now okay. that whole see those scenes with Chuck just don't. They're not even the same. It, person. it doesn't even matter. Yeah. It does the, the finding the Samulet. It doesn't matter anymore. The Samulet glowing and they're walking down the street. It so doesn't that, matter. It's Chuck messing with them. So season shit, eleven, right? So should that be more of a slap to dab though? Well, yes. Okay. It, I'm not, but the, unfortunately, but it makes it drop on your eyes. It, it really does because it changes your perspective. Fair so enough. it just doesn't matter. So now Carver's season eight follows season six because I've been rewatching the hell out of Carver's run and it is so good. People did not give it enough credit. We did when we reviewed. We started in season nine. We never right. talked crap about it. And going back and rewatching it, season eight, the opening six, seven episodes are a bit rough. But it mm-hmm. was it was designed to set the table. We're going through all of that. If people want to find those discussions on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. And we're doing a Carver's win bit where we're going through all the strengths of Carver's. And because we're doing that, I have to go back and watch all these episodes. Well, and I'm amazed at how well some of these episodes are, and especially the lore, the men of letters and and all these different things, the Judah initiative and all these different aspects that add so much to the world of supernatural. But not just that, but the PT, the PTSD aspect and what, you know, a mental illness, struggling with these types of issues. It's all there. So season eight is now my. OK, my jam after so, season six. So why did season seven drop? Season season seven dropped because I don't feel like it's better than season 11, even though technically it is because because dab messed it up. Right. But I couldn't I just can't shame Carver because of dab's doing because of his mess up. Yes. But because of it doesn't really matter. Technically, season 11 might even drop down to my least favorite season because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's a complete waste of time. It doesn't matter. Ugh. Season five might not even matter at this point. But, now. Maybe you're looking you're looking at it you're looking at it from this perspective that you've watched season fourteen and you're taking away the validity of what happened at the time. 
Because if you look at season 11 or season we seven. We know the story now. Now, I, if, I if I just watched it, I'd be like, this is great. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever. But now that we know. You're looking at it from. Into it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It's all smoke and mirrors. Everything I know is a lie. And that's why going back to what you said, Thomas, season 15 is going to be the deal breaker. Oh, yeah. Season 15 will decide whether or not the entire show matters. <laughs> That wow! It that's really true. does. You're running a risk. That's why I applaud Dab. And you also hate him. And I also bit. hate him a bit because yeah. if he can change our perspective and make it a win in season 15, then he will have my my forever gratitude. Fair enough. But if he if he diminishes and marginalizes everything Kripke did, Gamble and Carver did in one episode last week. One episode, he managed to undo everything. Undo sh- a shitload. Right. And not just one episode, the very last one. Yeah. So that's why I'm so torn. So it's all about season 15, guys. It really is. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, and I, I'm sure he's well aware of that. Yeah. He is. I, like I said, he's it's, well put, aware. it's slapping your dick into a bear trap and hoping it doesn't go off. Yeah. That's he's what he's doing. Oh, dude. All right. Well, for me... Uh, it is the first five are Kripke's again. I have five, four, two, three, one. Uh, Take off. Yeah. <laughs> Can't count for shit. I'm dyslexic. Apparently. <laughs> then I, I completely understand the validity of your argument with Carver in season 11. But I don't want to blame Carver's well done season for Dab's potential. You have to castrating of the entire show why, why so for like, me I, I, hold, on, hold on thomas I, I really i really want i just explained uh, it i know you did but it, it doesn't I, matter but it but literally going back doesn't and matter shitting on his season because no, now the, the writing is dab great okay the right dab doesn't ruin the writing of seasons a lot of season anything that carver wrote it doesn't okay okay so so it doesn't take away from the academic the academic quality of those mm-hmm. seasons okay. at all okay but when you look at it as a big picture, the whole show, it just doesn't matter. The whole, it's the, all a lie. It's all a lie. And maybe if they go that route in season 15, then it will work. It's all been a lie. We've all been betrayed, but it's all about the delivery and the execution for season 15. Yeah. But as of right now, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, it just doesn't matter. Well, I, I'll reserve moving 11 until I see what happens with 15. But for me, then it's 11, 6, Eight, seven. Then seven has jumped pretty fucking high wow. with how much I I look back at some of those episodes. Season seven is not that bad, dude. I it has a lot of filler, but then I look at what Dab's done in the last three years. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, the episodes that the episodes in yeah. season seven that are still good shine like a fucking supernova amongst so many other things in those seasons. Well, I think the thing like during that season, even when we did our. Last season and the season before when we did our, our rankings, seven only got a bad rap because of the horrible CGI of the Leviathans. And and the fact that it had no showrunner for about half of the show. And I think that was the downside. And the more you look at it, and like you just said, Thomas, it has a lot of filler, but a lot of the episodes that a lot make of the it stuff good, still work it works real fucking really well. well. And I think if they were able to go back and change the way the Leviathans looked, everything could have been different. Yep, it could be completely different. And I I, I agree. I used to shit yeah. on it, but it's like the more I look at it, the, the more, more you look yeah. at it, the more it grows on what you. If, yeah. What if Amara ends up being the good one? She could. That would be why she was so infatuated with Dean. Oh. Uh, after seven, it comes nine, ten, then 14, 
12 and then wrapping up the end for me is 13 because 13 so much of it i was just like why does none of this matters unfortunately so but yeah i mean truthfully mike you have that is the whole crux of of dab's run this season review the issue the show as a whole it will all come down to season 15 because of how he set up and and took the risk rolls the dice with chuck being potentially the greatest villain of the entire show but that has monumental repercussions if done poorly not just for dab's run not just for the other showrunners but for everything all of it could come undone if he doesn't do this right well uh, let, let's talk in general and so far it, it, i have faith i have faith he could we could have had 14 unbelievable amazing kick-ass seasons of supernatural and you say all right next season is the last one mm-hmm. i don't give a fuck how amazing those 14 seasons are if someone shits on it on the 15th it's it ruins everything else you only it's remember a, your last yeah exactly and i think yeah. i think what this is this is a double this is double because we've had some seasons so to finish the show and to not only rip all of our hearts out but kick us directly in the nuts by having a bad season yeah. is is a is a disservice to the actual show yeah it's yeah. all coming down to season 15 but that is our review of season 14 we now move into Helatus. Again, we will have Ugh. other episodes throughout Helatus. And if you want even more content, head on over to Patreon Pledge. You can see what we hope, desire, and want for Season 15. Carver's wins, Gamble's wins, all kinds of additional stuff. We will be here with you throughout the summer. But thank you for listening, and we will see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.